punch the thing here. It's all right. We're on duty here. Did you ever work in a place where you had to punch a clock, huh? Well, you know that there are many, many television shows that are very, very big where the talent himself, every time he goes in to do the show in the studio, he has to punch in. I'm serious. I, <laughs> you know that I know one. I won't even tell you which outfit it is, but I know one outfit, uh, a, you know, a big industrial company that owns a big television uh, syndication outfit. They own television stations, too. No, it is not RKO General, if that's what you think it is. No, 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 it is not. It's bigger than that, in fact. This is a big, big outfit. And not that RKO General isn't, but this is a big industrial outfit, you know. They, uh, so that's the point of the story, see. So when you, when you get a show there, and you can become, you know, like nationally, internationally famous, a big show, but you have to go to the plant where they make the, the appliances like uh, refrigerators and uh, electric can openers. And you have to stand in line. No, with the rest of the guys, uh, the other guys that are being hired, you know, sweepers, lathe operators, you have to stand in line to take the company physical. See? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, at, 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 it's, what's worse, you see, it's quite possible that you could fail it, at which point, naturally, you could not do the big show. I mean... <laughs> Obviously, no, 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 no. Now, somebody's coming in here. Keep them out. Just keep them out. So, uh, all right, though, before we go any further, tonight's show is about something which everybody talks about today, and nobody can do anything about it. You know, it's like weather. You remember when they used to talk about weather? Well, that's all over, you know. They can do something about the weather now. They do. You know, they seed clouds and all that stuff, and uh, they can they can change the weather. Not much, but uh, they're, they're on the way, and uh, they claim that eventually... Uh, it's possible that New York will be entirely air-conditioned. They'll just put a big bubble over New York, you know, and pump all the all the air in, suck all the gases out that we're now breathing, see. <laughs> and they'll suck it out, and then they'll pump it. Do you, you realize, of course, if that ever happened, man, I mean, if they ever did seal this whole city in, see, and it's a big air-conditioning, do you realize what a fantastic opportunity that would be for a subversive agent to sneak in and take over the air conditioning plant and just automatically, you know, he could just inject Novocaine in the gas form, see, in the entire city. The whole city's walking around stunned. <laughs> not that they're not already. However, uh, well, uh, tonight, the uh, uh, subject of tonight's little uh, essay uh, does not have to do with the weather because uh, that's under control now. Dr. Frank Fields is in charge of that, and uh, we, I feel secure. He has a, Frank, Dr. Fields, has a, has a very, very uh, reliable look in his face. You notice that? When he looks, he's got that sort of a, a doctor. He looks like a doctor, you know, and he's got these shiny glasses and sort of a, a high forehead, and, and uh, he wears conservative jackets and stuff. And so when you get the weather from Dr. Frank uh, Fields, you, you feel like you're getting very reliable weather. I mean, it's a, I just can't imagine uh, Dr. Fields all of a sudden saying, Oh, my God, it's coming! Look out! It's an earthquake! And running out of his studio, see, right after the uh, sports report. However, uh, I, I do feel that with some of the other guys. But I feel secure in the arms of Dr. Fields. Now, uh, but I, I, uh, there are other things which I do not feel uh, as secure about. For example... Uh, one thing today we cannot do anything about is obviously it's like a it's a, like a force of nature, crime. <laughs> so would you give me my first little? 
All right, everybody, let's dance. That's right. That's about all you can do about crime. So uh, set it up again there, and uh, we'll, we may use that again. He sounds a little crinkly and around the edges there. Uh, but uh, tonight's uh, little thing is about crime and its various ramifications. And I might add the, the uh, type of crime. That, uh, how, uh, well, have you ever been the victim of a flim-flam? You haven't? Well, then you haven't you haven't been out of the house then for many years, have you? Uh, I just don't understand how you can just look me right in the eye and say, no, you haven't. Let's put it this way. You ain't admitting it. Uh, uh, many, many guys have been flim-flammed right out of their socks, but uh, to try to get them admitted is to uh, forget it. <laughs> because you're kind of admitting yourself. Uh, you're, you're saying to the world, I am a mark. Me, look at me. I am a mark. Oh, big mark here. Oh, come and take it, you know. Strip me. You know, shuck me like an ear of corn. I'm a mark. Well, uh, the flim-flam is what the... It, it, so, it looks so funny on television, you see. You know, the George uh, Scott is playing a flim-flam man. All, it's, all, it's all fun and games, unless you have been shucked, uh, at which point it's a different ball game. I got a letter here, in fact, the other day from this outfit called uh, something Money Changer, or is there such a magazine called Money Changer? Is that the name of it? It can't be money changing. Please. Please. Our time is not yet that truthful. No, uh, you know, that's like, uh, uh, you know, the con man professional magazine. But uh, nevertheless, I got this letter from him. See, and it says, Dear Shepard, we're doing a piece on great flimflams. Uh, how long has it been since you've been really shucked, plucked, and sent out to dry? And I thought about that. It says, uh, what, when, when, have you been, when have you been flim-flammed? Really got in the business. Uh, would you care to talk about it, was what the piece was about. Now, normally, now let's face it, people who have been really uh, hung out on the old clothesline to flap in the breeze, <laughs> to use, uh, I, I still like uh, that great expression of, of John Ehrlichman's, to slowly twist in the wind. Uh, if you've uh, gone through that, you rarely like to talk about it, you know. Uh, you, you, you don't like to admit that you're such an unbelievable mark. But we all are unbelievable marks. Do you know that the biggest mark of all is a guy who is a con man? He really buys stuff. Every guy I know who's a salesman is also an inveterate, unbelievable buyer of junk. Uh, you know, they, they love it. So, so you know, being a mark is not anything bad. Well, a mark really says that you're a romantic. It also says that you have absolute faith, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, in your fellow man. Let's face it, if you know what kind of a person you are, seriously, no. Why in the hell should you have faith in your fellow man? I mean, have you ever really seriously looked at yourself in the mirror one morning when you're shaving and thought... What would you say if you were just an innocent uh, personnel manager and you came in for a job? Now, now if, you, if you're one kind of person, you'll immediately say, well, obviously, I'd hire myself. Oh, Well, now, if you're another kind of person, which is a much rarer person, you would say, well... I would have to consider it very seriously. It would depend on the labor market. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, honesty is a rare quality. In fact, it's an almost non-existent quality. We, we tend to confuse honesty with, uh, 
with candor in our time. Candor, incidentally, almost always is directed at somebody else. So if you say, the president is a fink, everyone says, gee, that's a, that's a really honest man. Did you hear what he just said? He's not saying anything about himself. He's talking about somebody else. That's called candor. Now, if a guy comes on the air and says, I am a fink. I am a fink. Me. I'm a fink. Me. That's honesty. A rare quality. <laughs> In fact, how long has it been since you've heard anybody admit he's wrong? You know how rare it is. So, all right, I'll do it for all of you. I'll talk about the time I was flim-flam. Since you won't admit your own failing, okay? Uh, <laughs> I feel embarrassed when I think about it, you know? All right, I'll tell you what it was. I was flim-flam. And, and I was flim-flammed in Naples, Italy, which is a good place to be flim-flammed. Boy, that, they have made that a, an art form in a lot of areas there, especially when, uh, you know, the overseas mark arrives. And, and, you know, it embarrasses you when you look back and you say, oh, God, how could I have done this? What a, what a thing to do, see? So, anyway, I'm in Naples, and I'm with this buddy of mine, and both of us were, uh, you know, we kind of prided ourselves on being... Uh, on being sardonic world travelers. In fact, we were there on Navy business. We were not there just because we were there taking pictures of the Leaning Tower of Pizza out of town or, you know, taking the, uh, the, the extended tour of Pompeii. We were there on, on official business. <laughs> so we, we go to the... And that's the worst kind of thing. You're really open for, for all kinds of, you know, uh, flumdummery. Uh, you like that word? That is a good 19th century word, which would apply to many things that have happened to you recently. No matter what kind of a life you're living, that's flumdummery, which, uh, which means nothing quite works. That's not quite the same as a flimflam. So uh, we come down in the, in the hotel lobby one night and uh, with this guy, and uh, he's a, well, I'll tell you, he's, he's a very hip uh, movie director now, you know. So uh, the two of us come down to the lobby and we wander out on the street. And uh, there it was. It was nighttime in Napoli. And uh, so uh, so let's go out and uh, see the sights. What do you say? You know, we had a couple of hours. Let's go out and do the thing. So I said to him, I said, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go. Uh, and he says, sayonara. I says, no, that's Japan. We're not in Japan now. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, V. Gates. Uh, you know, you pick up all these. You, you get to be a, uh, kind of a linguist when you travel around the world. You know, you have all these things. So I said, no, 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 it's it's caramba, is what you should say. He said, no, that's Mexico, isn't it? I said, well, it's the same thing. You know, it's, it's a foreign language. If you, Any foreign language works in any country if you yell it loud enough. So uh, we, <laughs> we, we went out on the street, and along came this cab driver, see? And uh, little did we realize that this cab driver... His cab looked like a Fiat. Actually, what it was was a small metal projectile that, had we looked at it correctly, was a man-eating shark. I mean, he was—he he had spotted us as a couple of rump dummies uh, right from the start. See, so we wandered out, we looked around, and his Fiat, he puts up, and he says, Ah, you like to go see Napoli? And so at that point, my friend says, Yeah, yeah, be Gates, caramba. So he could tell right away there that we were international travelers and we could, you know, we, we were not to be pushed around. So we got in the back of the Fiat and away we went. So we went driving down the street. And uh, 
Uh, we, we went a little bit to see, and he says, Ah, I says, see, La Galleria. Oh, and at that point, uh, Bob says, Oh, yeah, La Galleria, La Galleria, I see, yeah, yeah, let's see, see, uh, yeah, yeah, the gates. So uh, we looked at the gallery there. The Galleria, of course, is a big thing right in the middle of Napoli. It's, uh, you know, a lot of glass and stuff. We drove around that. We were driving around looking at the stuff and the sights. He says, uh, you, uh, you want uh, a good time, huh? huh? Uh, well, you know, you can't say no. I don't want a good time. I'm just here to get mad. I'm uh, just here to walk around and get bugged. So, you know, a leading question like that incidentally can be very dangerous. So if you're in a foreign place and somebody is driving a cab and he turns around to you and he says, Oh, you, uh, you looking for a good time, huh? huh? Be careful. It happens in many languages. Uh, uh, for example, you can be in a Mercedes in Hamburg and the cab driver turns and says, you, you like a good time, huh? Well, you like good time, huh? Be careful. He's saying the same thing. It's an international cab driver language. So, uh, Bob says, yeah, yeah, see, see, senor, see, see. He says, ah, good time. You like uh, something to uh, perhaps uh, a little vino to drink oh, huh? Well, uh, yeah, you know, what the hell. Uh, you know, he could see that we were world travelers and we liked, uh, you know, elegant uh, Italian wines, that sort of thing. And so uh, he says, ah, I take you to a restaurante. So we go to the restaurante. Well, we, we go into the restaurant, and, uh, you know, we were looking for something neat, so we went to this place. It was the first place I ever saw. Uh, I was really impressed, first of all. It was the first time I ever saw plastic pasta. I, mean, I was impressed. See, I thought maybe, uh, since I'm now in, in Italy, I'm going to have real Italian food. See, you, know, you always believe that if you get to Italy, you're going to have this great Italian food. I'm used to places like, uh, you know, like a La Roma uh, pizza joints in Jersey and that, see, and then... Places on 49th Street, see, and I figured that I'm going to get there. I'm I'm in home base, pasta, Napoli, right? So we go in there and we we sit down. The waiter comes over. Of course, little did we realize that our cab driver, who had spoken rapidly in Italiano to the waiter, that uh, that he where we were we were actually being set up. Uh, well, have you ever watched bowling pins when you're uh, when you're going to the bowling alley? Have you ever wondered how a bowling pin feels? when it's being set up down there. It's only being set up for one purpose, you know, to get knocked on it you-know-what. I mean, that's it. There's only two kinds of things that play at the bowling alley, pins and balls. Which would you prefer being? Well, <laughs> so here we are. We're sitting there like a pair of bowling pins, and the uh, the waiter comes over and says, Ah, I says, yeah, you, you want the Napoli uh, pasta, real, uh, genuino? And so at that point, Bob says, uh, CC. So he brings us this great big bowl of pasta. It was fascinating. One side of the bowl was cold, the other side was burnt. And uh, more than that, it was covered with uh, sort of a curious tomato sauce that seemed to be made out of uh, lukewarm... uh, Well, it's hard to describe it. It was actually uh, kind of a lukewarm uh, Kool-Aid. If you can imagine tomato flavor Kool-Aid, it didn't taste like tomato sauce. <laughs> Very strange stuff. So we, we figured that we're having the real Italian food. So we, we start shoveling it in, and we could see that the dancers are up there, dancing away there. And uh, at that point, one of the dancers comes over and sits at our table and says, Are you like me? Well, uh, Bob says, uh, what do you say? You know, when you're a native uh, uh, and a native asks you, you like me? You can't say, no, me no like you. So he says, oh, yeah, yeah, see, see, like me. Yeah, yeah, like you, too. Uh-huh. She says, oh, very good. Americano? 
And Bob says, uh, Americano, New Yorkissimo. And she says, ah, ah, see, it's in New Jersey, ah, uh huh. He says, yes, New York is in New Jersey, very good. You know, we carry on these conversations like that. And at that point, she left us. She just got up and said, thank you very much. And suddenly another girl appears, and she sits down at our table, and she says, you like, uh, you like a company, maybe, huh? And Bob says, uh, oh, uh, you can't be, you know, when you're visiting a foreign country, you can't be just antisocial. So Bob says, oh, yes, yes, see, see, sit there, sit there, have a little wino. And at that point, we, we <laughs> he pours a little of the wine, which we have been liberally supplied with, in a uh, what looked like a used pineapple can. So, yeah, I think this was a restaurant that was not open as a restaurant. It was a fleecing joint. So we, <laughs> we poured the wine, see, and she drinks the wine. And at, at that point, her friend comes back, the other dancer, and she's got a panda. Oh, you haven't heard about the panda gaff, have you? She's got a panda, a stuffed panda. You know the kind you see at Corvettes for three ninety-five. You know, with the big ears and all that. And uh, they say something to each other in Italiano. At which point the second girl looks over at me and says, uh, "Whoa, is this like a panda? Panda? Whoa, cute, huh? Cutissimo." At which point I say, "Oh yeah, very cute, cute, very cute, cute panda, Zizi." She says, "Ah, thank you." So I said, "Very good." You know, I figured she was asking me, "Do I like her panda?" Well, we finally decided to go. By the way, the cab driver was still lurking in the doorway there. He was being very helpful. He says, uh, you, he says I do not like to see you uh, walking around Napoli without the protection of a man who does not want to see man flimflam, right? So he's being our protector. Well, we start to leave, and we get a bill for $74.28. And, and Bob, Bob says, what? What is this? Uh, 87,942,000. lira. What? What is this? At that point, uh, the the lady says, "Oh, it's only uh, American Express card. Nothing, nothing. You just put it on card. That's not real money. You take a card. You we punch a card. Apparently, uh, they figure if you just punch the card, it's okay. See. So Bob says, "How come you got say here? Uh, uh, what's this? Uh, for fifty million two hundred forty-two lira? Huh? What's this? Is? She says, you buy a panda. He says, we buy a panda. Yeah, you buy a panda and you give it to Carmelita." I says, we have bought a panda, and we have given it to Carmelita. She says, of course, you have bought the panda from, uh, who is it, uh, from Louisa. You bought the panda from Louisa. She sells panda. And you buy, and you give to Carmelita. It's costing $52. I says, oh, my God. He says, but I don't want a panda. She says, ah, oh, we call the gendarme. Ah, we call. We got. And at that point, instantly a cop appears. I don't know where he, he was hiding behind a curtain. So we quickly paid. You know, after all, we don't want to. We don't want to bother the uh, international relationships, see. So we quickly paid, and uh, we get back out in the cab. And at that point, the cab driver says, "Sir, see, I should have told you. You, you, you be careful, Zeppelin. I told you not to go in there." And Bob says, "You took us there." He said, "But you asked to come there." Well, we rode in silence for a while. Finally, we decided that you know this. this uh, now, this, this uh, talk about the capper. You know, a true. A true flim-flam always has a capper. You've only heard the beginning of it, friends. So we're riding along a ways, and uh, Bob says, listen, he says, this is ridiculous. You know, I don't know anything about Napoli. We're going to really get taken. What do you say? We just go back to the hotel. The hell with us. We go back to the hotel. Let's get ourselves a couple of bottles of wine, huh? 
really good Italian wine. And then we go back to the hotel. And I said to Bob, well, that sounds great. That's a good idea. And Bob says, fine, that's what we'll do. Well, the cab driver is saying nothing. See, obviously, he has pretended he does not speak much English. <laughs> he speaks more English than the average citizen of Passaic. Uh, he suddenly turns and he says, oh, he says, sir, sir, uh, uh, you you are you are you are looking for us a vino, and at that point Bob says, Yeah, yeah, we're looking for vino. He says, Ah, he says, I know the best. Oh, Caramba, the best uh, Italiano wine in town. Is it this Italiano wine shop? Only Italian go there. The best wine in town. The best Italian wine. Well, you know, you like to go where the native goes. This is a great thing that uh, you know we all feel when we are citizens of the of the realm. So at that point, we drive to this wine shop. It looks like a wine shop, see? And uh, there it is, see? And he says, he says, they are closed. You know what the state, the state does not allow the, the, the wine shop to, how you say, be open after, uh, how you say, uh, 9 uh, p.m. at night? He is a closed. And Bob says, oh, he is a closed. We cannot get the wine, though? He says, no, 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 get the wine. But I, I am friend. I am friend of Frederico. He's a wine shop. Now don't say not say nothing to the, to anyone. You have got this wine, but I will get you the best wine in all of Italy. The finest Napoli wine. You like a white or you like a red? And Bob says, "How about a bottle of both? We'll take a bottle of white and a bottle of red." Oh, very good, very good. The best wine in all of Italy is right here at Federico's shop. And so he gets out, see, and he looks around. He says, I cannot let this, uh, the, the police I see. See, I have to watch. He says, you, if you see a police, you come hon- honk a horn. How you go with a horn? Beep, beep, honk a horn. At this point, if you honk a horn, pretends like I do not even be here, right? I have had a flat attire, and I have gone to get the, the tool. huh? But do not tell him I am in the wine shop. Very illegal. So Bob says, very good, okay. You know, you kind of felt really warm now because... You know, you're getting the best wine, and he's doing this fantastic favor to you. So at that point, he says, but the, we must, I must tell you, since it's the best wine in all of Italy, it's very, very expensive. Very. Bob says, well, if it's really good wine, he says, oh, it's the best, it's the best. I'll, I'll tell you this. When I was to get married five years ago, I have saved for six months to buy this fine wine. This is the wine I have at my own wedding. It's an Italian wedding. You know, we like a wine, right? This is the only wine I have at my wedding. And when I have my 50th anniversary, I will have the same wine. It's the best wine in Italy. I says, oh, wow. You know, the best wine. So he says, how much is this? He says, well, I tell you. He says, I cannot explain to you in the lira, but I do know is a dollar. In the dollar, it is... $25 a bottle. He says, now ordinarily, he says, Federico would maybe say $20, $22. But since it is now closed, maybe we must give him the tip. Well, so I shell out 25 bananas. Bob shells out 25 bananas in good hard cash at a realm. And he goes into the shop. And I see he, the, the door opens. It's a metal door. He goes into the shop and I see a light in the back there, and you can see all these great wines in the window. He's got nothing but wines. It's a legitimate shop, see? 
At which point he comes skulking out suddenly. He comes running out. And I see this other guy looking out of the window, see, and he waves to us. And he comes running into the cab. He says, goodbye, Federico. Goodbye. Goodbye. And he drives away. And he's got under his coat, he's got two wine bottles, apparently, wrapped up in newspaper. And he's got it hid. He says, I cannot let the police see. He says, must hide. He says, if I come out without a wrapper, maybe we get arrested and maybe spend a month in jail. Cannot do this. So keep a, keep a wrapper on. Do not unwrap until you get into your room. And so we wrapped this thing up. I hid one under my coat. Bob hid one under his coat. And we arrive at the hotel. And he says, oh, that will be, uh, let's see, uh, for the, the meter. I have knocked the meter off. That will be only, uh, oh, at the 20, uh, 27 a dollar for the cabin tonight. Uh, 27 bucks for the cab. Well, you know, you don't know the cab rates. It's going in the and all that. So Bob pays the cab. And he says, oh, you, get the, you give a tip. You know, I must give a tip. So at that point, Bob gives him another 48 million lira tip note. And uh, so we, we go into it. He says, do not show them the bottle. He says, that man, I do not trust him at the desk. He's a, uh, be careful of him. And so at that point, he says, maybe he working for the police, you know. And so Bob and I go skulking past the desk. And we get in the elevator. And we go on up. We're holding our wine. We go to the room, see. And Bob says, oh, boy, am I glad I've got that cheese in my barracks bag. We'll have the wine and the cheese. And the, too bad we don't have any crackers, but we got the cheese and the wine. It's going to be a great night anyway, after all. And we sit down in the room there, and we put the two bottles in the ra- nicely wrapped in paper, all twisted up at the top, you know, with a string around it. We put them on the desk, and Bob says, okay, which one first? I says, Bob, how about the one on the left? He says, the one on the left? He opens it up, and there it was. It was a bottle. It was a wine. It was a bottle of wine with a cork and everything, see? And it's, he says, oh, that's the white one. I feel like a little red. And so we open up the other one. It's also white. And Bob says, what are you, give us two white? Well, what the hell? White wine is probably the best wine in Italy. That's what, that's what he said. So uh, how about opening that one there? So he grabs it, he opens it up, and he says, oh, boy. And we both had the glasses that were in the hotel room. See? So he pours a little of the wine, and he says, I said, what's the matter, Bob? And it's a funny look on his face. He sips it again. Just give me that other bottle. He opens the bottle. He pours a little butt in my glass. He says, take a, take a sip of that. I take it up. Water. We have each bought a $25 bottle of water. We also bought a pen. We had a $27 cab ride. We had plastic pasta. The whole night came to roughly 200 bills for each one of us. <laughs> so if you want to hear about flim flamming, this, uh, you know, little, g- give me a little of that uh, crime music, please. <laughs> well, that'll do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was the scream of a wounded Mark. Yes, indeed. Oh, I've had a lot of others, you know, when you travel. Right? Did, I, did I ever tell you about the time in Munich? Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Oski, wow, wow. <laughs> did I ever tell you about the garage in in, uh, in Toledo, Ohio? Oh. Of course, I caught him at that one. That was, that was known as the uh, spark plug interchange flim-flam. 
Did I ever tell you? No. Did I ever tell you about the friend of mine who took his Jaguar into a garage? Yeah, a brand new Jag. See, he took the Jag into this garage because he was just driving through town. See, he was on his way across country and he had to he had to get a little a tune up, you know. So he drives his Jag into the into the garage uh, in a garage way out someplace in Kansas. You know, you figure these nice, simple, hasty-looking types. Yeah, drive it right in here. Put it on a grease rack, you know that kind. You figure, you know, after all. If there's going to be any flim-flamming, it's going to be me doing it to him, right? So anyway, he takes his Jag in, does a little grease job and that stuff, see? And all the while, he's down at the local beanery having himself a ham sandwich and a couple of cups of coffee. So he comes back three hours later. He, he went in there with a nice new Jaguar, right? Maybe about 6,000 miles on it. A complete Jaguar. Well, he drove out of that place. He didn't find it out till three weeks later. He drove out of town driving a complete Jaguar, except now it was a Jaguar equipped with Studebaker shock absorbers. Interestingly enough, it had a 51 Studebaker carburetor on it, too, which wasn't quite exactly as nice as the one that the Jaguar came with, but uh, what the hell, you know. So <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Boston University, this is Jazz Radio, WBUR Boston, at 90.9 FM.